This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Here you go. Here you go. Boomer. Boomer. That's my word of the day today and nothing personal. Boomer as in okay, Boomer. Let me tell you a quick story. So CBS posted an Instagram picture last night, and it was a video of what we did here at Nothing Personal yesterday, talking about Dwayne Haskins and his selfie. And my point remains the same from yesterday, which is, why exactly was he taking a selfie when he was supposed to be on the field? Well, it got over 125,000 views, which I'm told is a lot, and like 1,500 comments, which I'm told is fine, except a 1,000 of the comments all were okay, boomer, As though I'm old because I'm saying that a player should actually be on the field when he's supposed to play? Let me try to communicate with the millennials listening. And if you're not a millennial and you're listening, I'm still trying to communicate with you because I frankly don't know what a millennial is. I don't know what I'm called. I know I'm not a boomer. What I am is someone who's run a team and bought a team and sold a team and won with a team and lost with a team. And what I can't figure out is why all of the comments were that I wasn't interested in Haskins having fun or in Haskins enjoying the fact that he won his first NFL game. I'm in favor of all of those things. But all of that gets trumped by his inability to understand the situation in which he found himself, which is the game was going on. I'm not anti-selfie. I'm not even anti-boomer or not-boomer. And I'm not even talking about Chris Berman or Bill Beck, our old traveling secretary, or Boomer Esiason. You called me Boomer as though I had done something to actually offend young people, that I was the NFL, the No Fun League. No, I'm not. I'm the AFT. All fun, all the time. That's A-F-A-T-T. Whatever. I like having fun. But I'm going to tell you what it is from a front office perspective and from a player's perspective, especially when they're not going to tell you the truth. My job is to tell you exactly what goes on. His teammates were not happy with him. Neither was his coach and neither was his owner. And they shouldn't have been. So my word of the day is very simple. It's just called Boomer, which means if you're going to call me old, then come here, come on to Twitter and call me old when I can't do the things that you can all do. And you're right, I don't know how to take selfies. On a more serious note, when we have big stories that come out, uh, we got to deal with them. And this is a story that's coming out right now. And it's shocking. 
So the Calgary Flames are a hockey team. They're about one or two points out of the wild card right now. A little early to look at the wild card. The season, you know, let's say is 20, 20 games in. Bill Peters is the head coach of the Calgary Flames. And he has been now accused of using the N-word in describing the music that was being played by one of his players when he was the coach of an AHL team. That's like a minor league team in hockey. The player's name is Akeem Alou, and he went public with a tweet, which is the same thing as going public. And it's fine. It's important to use Twitter or any other way to express yourself, to get something off your chest, and to try to effectuate change. So Akeem Alou sent a tweet describing a story 10 years ago when Bill Peters was unhappy with the music that was being played inside the clubhouse and told Alou to basically shut off that N music. So now Bill Peters has been basically suspended by the Calgary Flames and the Twitter world and the world in general is up in arms. The NHL released a statement. The Chicago Blackhawks released their own statement on top of the NHL statement because that was their minor league team at the time and Bill Peters was their minor league coach. Well, Bill Peters then graduated to become a National Hockey League coach and he's coached the Hurricanes and now he is currently coaching the Flames in the middle of a long-term deal. Let me take you behind the scenes and tell you what happens when this kind of story comes out. The first thing is that the PR department gets word of this first because they're monitoring Twitter. It's actually interns and young people who are monitoring the social media for a team. So the chain goes something like this. You've got a very low-paid intern who's looking at every tweet who has keywords set up under Google and on all social media platforms. And when anything comes out about a player or mentions a team name, it comes to the social media department. They then see it. They immediately call their head of communications. I had a head of communications, and his job was to filter to me as the team president everything that I needed to know. Not everything that went on during the course of a day from a PR standpoint, but everything I needed to know. It's why I didn't read papers and why I didn't read comments when I was running the Marlins and the Expos. I only read what I was told to read. And you need to have someone in communications who you trust to do that job for you. And I did have that person. So then the communications head looks at it and says, this is something that I must bring to the team president. Brings it to the team president. The fact that it involves the head coach means it also went to the GM. And if you're in an organization that's run right, the GM and the president actually talk if they're not the same person. So the head of communications has now called, and this is all happening within minutes of this tweet happening. It used to be that we could wait till the next day because there were newspaper cycles. That makes me a boomer. But now it's a 24-hour cycle where you have to respond immediately. The problem with responding immediately is you may not have all the facts and you may get it wrong And that's what I try to avoid every time because I don't want to have to do multiple statements. And God knows on this show, we've seen multiple statements done by teams and by leagues. So then it makes its way to the GM of the Calgary Flames that his coach has 10 years ago done the absolute unthinkable and used a racist term which would indicate to anybody that he's a racist. They sprung into action immediately. They're in the middle of a road trip, and the first thing they did is they let the coach know, and they didn't let him practice with the team. Then they alerted the NHL office. 
Now, why do you think they alerted the NHL office? Well, here's what they told you, and here's what they did. They told you they alerted the NHL office because they wanted the NHL to know what was going on, that there was some sort of 10-year-old racist comments. But what they were really checking with the NHL office is whether or not they could fire Bill Peters for cause and not pay him the rest of his contract, either this year or next season when he's still under contract. They also called their own human resources department. I've done it. Who then calls their outside attorneys and human resources? I've done that. And the reason they're doing all that in the front office of the Calgary Flames is they're trying to get their ducks in a row right now how to fire Bill Peters and not pay. Now, what if the Flames were in first place? What if it were their star player? Do you immediately suspend? Do you immediately waive release? I can think of myriad examples where players have done horrific things, both in domestic abuse, in committing crimes, in being homophobic, and teams, fans, have found a way to move on. So I guess we've found the third rail. It's not the Me Too movement. It's not sexual abuse or harassment, because players move on from that every day. It's not driving drunk, because players move on from that. So I guess what it is, is that when you use a word 10 years ago, that makes you a racist 10 years ago, no doubt. You don't get a chance to explain that maybe you've grown, maybe you've changed. Maybe you're not that person anymore. Just like Josh Hader, the Major League Baseball player for the Milwaukee Brewers, got to say that his 10-year-old tweets were not who he is anymore. And fans let him move on because he has a low ERA and he gets people out and brings the Brewers to the playoffs and on the cusp of greatness. If Josh Hader were a scrub, would he be accused of being a hater and then released? Would fans tolerate Josh Hader as a scrub versus tolerating him as a productive closer in Major League Baseball? This is what front offices have to think about every single time. How are fans reacting? Will it pass? Usually like a kidney stone, but will it pass? Or do you say that it doesn't matter if it passes? This is a racial issue, and I am choosing racial issues above all else, above homophobia, above white-collar crime, blue-collar crime, any of it. You touch the racist third rail, you're gone. Then what exactly are you waiting for if you're the Calgary Flames? An investigation? That's what they're saying. We're investigating the matter. How are you going to investigate it? By doing what? By going back and speaking to all the players? There's no video of it. There's already corroborating evidence. It seems very likely that he did it. Where's his statement? Well, he's not allowed to talk right now. He's not allowed to tweet or give any sort of information about what happened because what he's doing is lawyering up himself. Because once he's fired for cause, he is not going to take that without a fight. So what's the moral of the Calgary Flames situation? is that the front office of all teams today and all companies today really have to pay attention to how they are reacting to situations. We've just seen it with a, even in the movies, in the entertainment business this is going on. Apple and their new network, they were releasing a movie called The Banker with Samuel L. Jackson. And this is a movie about an African-American who found a way way before it was, segregation had ended when racism was at its peak, although I could argue it hasn't lessened as much as we'd like to believe it has in any way, 
toward blacks, African-Americans, Jews, anybody. But this movie was a big movie. Anthony Mackie, Samuel Jackson. Premiere was upcoming. Tuxes were purchased. All of a sudden, word came out that the son, and it's a true story, the banker, that the son of the central figure in the movie, the son was accused by his own sisters of sexual assault. It could have been half-sisters, could have been stepsisters, could have been actual sisters. It makes no difference. He was accused, he meaning the son of the actual person whose life is now a movie called The Banker, who got a producer's credit on the film because he was telling the life story of his own father, was accused of sexual assault, and Apple decided they were not going to have a premiere of the movie. They canceled the black tie, red carpet, this big moment for them. They said, no, we are putting the brakes on this because we're going to investigate. This is very serious. We've got to find out. And then the next day they doubled down and they said, we're not even releasing the movie. This happened with Kevin Spacey when he filmed All the Money in the World about the Getty kids kidnapping. You don't remember Kevin Spacey in that movie? Well, I do, because he's not in it. He was only in the preview, in the coming attraction. They replaced Kevin Spacey with Christopher Plummer and then gave him an Academy Award nomination. Kevin Spacey had been accused of pedophilia, who had acknowledged that he was homosexual, and that was the reason. And that studio wasn't going to pull the movie. They reshot the movie. Every scene that Kevin Spacey was in, they reshot the movie, which caused another complete scandal when the female lead of the movie, Michelle Williams, claimed she did not get paid the equal amount as the male stars of the movie. The studio dug itself a deeper and deeper hole, finally made it right, paid everyone the same, did the reshoots, released the movie. No Kevin Spacey. He was erased by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, you can't do anything to erase the banker because the sun's not in it. Calgary Flames, they could erase their history. The Blackhawks could erase their history, ironically, with the nickname of that team, might I add. So I'm trying to understand where the point is when a front office says it's enough, or as we like to say in Yiddish, genug. Is that an individual team decision? Is it a league decision that they mandate? No, it's not. The NHL does not tell the Calgary Flames they have to fire Bill Peters. Do I think Bill Peters gets fired? It's a guarantee because there's no way that they will stand up to the firestorm of publicity that's happening now and give Bill Peters a chance. Does he deserve a chance? I leave that to you. If I'm in the front office of a team that's about to win the Stanley Cup and this story breaks, where do I draw the line? (laughs) I don't run a team anymore. So you're going to have to wait to see. But you do know. (sighs) You know what? Bernie Sanders is running for president. I'm happy for him. It's great. I think Larry David does a better Bernie Sanders than Bernie Sanders. But you know what he was doing yesterday? He took the time in a presidential election to write a two-page letter to Commissioner Rob Manford talking to him about the issue between Major League Baseball and the Minor League Baseball. We've talked about it a little, and the reason why I'm bringing this up again is we have a segment on this show called Let's Talk to Samson. I want to talk to Samson. All you have to do is DM me. My DMs are open. 
which is absolute insanity, but I love you all. Even the haters, I love you. At David P. Sampson, tell me what you want me to talk about. Give me a topic. If it interests me and I think it'll interest just one other person other than you, I'm going to cover it. So the topic today, someone wanted more information about what's going on between Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball because they live in a town where a team could leave. It's not a big city. It's a small town. And the rumor is that 42 minor league teams are going to That's a sound effect into a microphone on an audio video podcast. That they're eliminating 42 teams. So Bernie Sanders, in the middle of trying to gain market share in order to get elected, and maybe trying to stay healthy as well, decided he'd be smart to write a letter that basically says, greedy billionaires who own teams, and greedy millionaires, if they're not billionaires, because some of the owners are millionaires only, they are robbing America of its national pastime. They are impacting thousands of jobs. They are taking away entertainment and joy from so many people around this great country. And he goes on and on, including talking about the famous MLB antitrust exemption. That's a whole nother show. But the rule is with an antitrust exemption, it goes down to this, folks. It means that it's okay to have no competition. That's all it means, that there can be an industry without competition. Well, listen, Bernie Sanders, you got so much wrong in the letter that I'm going to hope to God it was written by Larry David or maybe written by one of your staffers because factually you're completely off base in the following three ways. And I'm only going to say three because I'm not giving you an extra minute on this issue than I have to. I don't have to. It's my show. Then I want to. Number one, MLB is not eliminating 42 teams. What they are looking at is making sure that every team in the minor leagues who's affiliated with the major league team has a minimum level of standards met, which involves a good enough facility to house future major leaguers, proper travel, meaning if you're going to have a seven-hour bus ride, try not to have one without a bathroom, maybe even some sleeper seats. Let's not get crazy now. I know minor league players who slept in the actual um, hallway of the bus. The aisle is what it's called because they were on such a long bus ride. And then they have to play the next day, that day sometimes. That's not good for professional development, which is the job of minor league baseball. So we're not eliminating we. I keep saying we, Coca. Keep telling me to say they. They are not eliminating these teams. If they become unaffiliated with minor league baseball, they will be affiliated either with an independent league or MLB will create another league called the Dream League. There's not one community that's going to lose baseball, Bernie. Not one because of MLB's plan. How do communities lose teams in minor league baseball? It happens every day because the owners of the minor league teams relocate those teams because they don't like the city they're in because they're not making enough money and they want public funding for new stadiums. So, Bernie, you got it wrong. The second thing, you want to get rid of the antitrust exemption? Do you know what would happen without an antitrust exemption, Bernie? There'd be no more minor league baseball. The antitrust exemption is the very thing that makes minor league baseball exist. Major league teams have to have minor league teams affiliated with them. If you take away that exemption, guess what? 
the Marlins or anyone else could affiliate with anyone they want. They could affiliate with the college. They could affiliate with themselves. It would eliminate minor league baseball. So before you're calling for all of the greed and all these men and women to disappear who are the king and queen of greed, remember, get your facts straight, Bernie. You know, chemistry is something that I think about and talk about all the time. And chemistry matters to me because I want players who get along. I want players who understand that we're going to pull in the same direction. And Marcus Smart said something. He's on the Boston Celtics. He said something yesterday that has gotten to me in a way that I can't even tell you how deeply. He blamed the struggles of the 2018 Boston Celtics on the personal issues that each of these players had. Whether it was a lost grandmother or maybe a divorce or maybe sickness in the family, maybe injury, whatever the case is, he said that the situation in Boston, keep in mind Kyrie Irving was on the Celtics. Keep in mind Irving may not have the best reputation as being clubhouse Elmers. But Marcus Smart said that last year we had no chance to be good because we didn't feel free enough to share our problems. There wasn't a chemistry there, and that brought our team down. Marcus, it's not that everybody was afraid to speak to one another. It's actually the opposite. It's that your team wasn't playing well, and when that happens, there's a lack of chemistry. And when your team is good, all of a sudden it becomes a team full of chemistry. I had this conversation many times with members of the Marlins when I was with them, and we would talk about the importance of chemistry. I had it with Giancarlo Stanton when we wanted to trade for Mike Fires, whether or not that would be acceptable and what he would do. And Stanton said Fires in the clubhouse would be combustion. Do you like that pun? Double entendre? I would kick his ass. He was vociferous in that he didn't want Fires on the team. Okay, I'm going to take his word for it. But I was upset about it because I want him to be able to play with anybody. I don't want Marcus Smart to make excuses because we couldn't talk to each other. And he said, quote, I got more things that I'm worried and stressed about that I need to focus on right now individually. Listen, we've talked about mental health on this show. We've talked about the importance of all things off the field. But there is a minimum requirement when you're gonna be a professional athlete. There's a minimum requirement when you're going to work for any company, no matter what you do for a living. When you go to work, if you bring your personal life into your professional world and use that as an excuse to do your job poorly, you will get fired. Now, you can go to the office and take a vacation day. You can go to your office and your boss and say, listen, I'm having problems at home. I have a loss in the family. I need a day. There are laws in place that give you vacation days. They give you personal leave. You can't get fired for that. You can get fired for lack of performance. Because unlike these overpaid athletes who have guaranteed contracts and care less about winning than you do, you don't have that luxury. You don't have that guaranteed contract. So you go into your boss and you're honest with him. You talk to your coworker and say, you've got to cover for me today. I can't do my job. And people will cover for you. But the, Marcus Smart said the Celtics weren't like that. 
We couldn't do our jobs right because we were so negatively impacted. Ugh. Ben Zobrist last year, Cubs fans, you know what Ben Zobrist did? He took off half the season because he was going through a divorce. You remember? Now, publicly, on the record, everyone was saying, good for him, family first, kids first. I get it. Did he get paid? Did the Cubs have to pay Ben Zobrist? No, is the answer. He didn't take a leave from work. He didn't work, didn't get paid. He could afford to do it. If you can afford to take three months off from work because you're having a personal issue, then that means you have a very good job that'll still be waiting for you when you get back. My guess is that 99.9% of us can't do it. If I'm having a bad day, do I come in and say I'm not doing nothing personal for you? Yeah, I had a bad day. I don't feel well. My tummy hurts. Trouble's at home. Trouble's on the road. I just don't feel like it. I don't have good chemistry with the other people in the room. Ruben and I aren't getting along. Hassel didn't get enough sleep. I could go on. Amanda's grumpy. These are all things that can happen during the course of a day. I have to do my job. Marcus, your job is to play basketball and to win games, not to give me an excuse that you can't win because there were all sorts of personal issues that none of you could talk about. But this year, it's Kumbaya Central. What are you guys sitting around with a candle after games and talking about all of your great issues? Isn't it easier to do that when you win, Marcus? I think it is. Derek Jeter makes me laugh. I don't get to talk about Derek Jeter enough, but it's fun. I mean, hi, I mean, when you have a chance to talk about Derek Jeter on this show, you can bet I'm going to do it. And I know you remember me because I know you've got someone listening to me right now and watching and following me on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> I love it. I love knowing that you care so much. And I'm so happy that you're going to the Hall of Fame this year. And you're so happy I don't have a vote. So unanimity is still possible. But yesterday you did something that I just don't get. You did a turkey distribution. I'm happy you did that. I think it's great to be active in the community. You pretend that I wasn't active for my 18 years, but I was extremely active in Miami and South Florida and really around the country. It's important to be charitable. I didn't do a turkey distribution that was sponsored by Tito's Homemade Vodka, though. That seems bizarre to me, giving turkeys away to people who can't afford dinner and having it sponsored by Tito's. That's an example of you trying to raise sponsorship dollars and just matching companies with events with reckless disregard toward actually making it a good fit for the charity or for the team. But that's not why I'm upset. That's just run-of-the-mill, a typical Tuesday down at Marlins Park these days. What I am bothered by is that you went out and gave an interview where you said, hey, we're sort of, you know, we're in on free agents. We're going to be active, but it has to be the right fit. We're ready to spend money. But capital B, capital U, capital T, capital T, two T's for you. But we can't block any of the younger players. And that was said very quickly, matter of factly. Do you know why you can't block the younger players? I can't hear you. I, I, I don't know. Because of their development at the minor league level, at the major league level, which is it? Do you want your farm team and farm system to be ranked number one by all the publications? Is that the goal or is the goal to win at the major league level? If the goal is to win at the major league level, you bring in players who can help you win more games. You're now in season three. 
your entire window of goodwill has run out. That said, you will be in the Hall of Fame. What I would like you to have done was just stand up, actually stand up and meet the media yourself and tell the truth. Say to them, listen, our revenues aren't where I thought they'd be. We don't have a naming rights deal. We can't get a TV deal. We don't have enough season ticket holders. We don't have enough ticket revenue. I thought it would all be better. I've fired a bunch of people. I've hired a bunch of people. I fired a bunch of people. I traded a bunch of people. I signed a bunch. I traded a bunch. Unfortunately, I cannot afford and we cannot afford because we overpaid so much for the team. (laughs) We sorry. Can you see that laugh when you're listening to the podcast? I don't think you can. We cannot afford to have a payroll that will guarantee that we have a better chance of not losing a hundo. That's an honest approach, and fans and corporate sponsors would be fine with that. Instead of saying you don't want to block your young players, I used to say and think the same thing, so I get it. Do you know how in the White House, Derek, when the new president comes, there's notes from previous staff members? I don't know if he got my note but I left an entire handbook. All the things to do from a PR standpoint when you're trying not to say anything. All the things to try to be as misleading and guarded as possible. It was handed to me and I handed it to you. And all you did was do something that makes people question whether or not you can do your job at all. So next time, take that microphone and tell your fans what you're trying to do. Not talking about patience, that you're running out of it, but you need more of it. Not talking about your farm system or how much had to change and how many complaints there were about previous regimes. Take the microphone and actually say, we are committed to not losing 100 games and the best way to do it starting now is with free agents to make our offense score more runs. Or take the microphone and say, we're going to lose 100 games next year. You're not buying season tickets anyway, but this is our best chance to have any window of greatness. That's fine. That's honest. That's an approach. Choose one of them. Just don't choose neither. So I'm a Springsteen guy. You're all very well aware of that. Uh, How could you not be? So when you love Springsteen, you actually have an opportunity to watch movies, concerts. He did a movie, folks. Blinded by the Light. You're thinking it's a Manfred Mann song, aren't you? But it's also a Springsteen song. Blinded by the light, wrapped up like a deuce, another runner in the night. Do you know that song? Well, somehow they created a movie out of all the Bruce Springsteen lyrics, and it's a true story. This is the story of how a man from England, a small town in England, tried so hard to get out of that small town, and he was introduced to Bruce Springsteen, and he thought that every song was written about him. This actually happened. And it was his dream. He started to dress like Bruce Springsteen. And he was uh, a Pakistani who lived in England, who was subject of horrific racism, and then started to dress like Bruce, act like Bruce, talk like Bruce. And his dream was to see Bruce. He ended up seeing Bruce Springsteen 150 times and got a movie made about him. And it's the story of how you can get away from your family, from your situation. He wanted to be a writer. He was told he wasn't allowed to be a writer, but he kept going after it. It's actually a great movie that discusses dreams. And what do you do? 
What do you do when you want something that everyone says you can't have? Or when you want something that everyone says you'll never get? Or when you want something that the odds are so slim that it'll actually happen? Well, as John Cusack said in a movie called Say Anything, you've now described every single success story in history. And that's what this movie is. It turned into a success and it is an ode to Bruce Springsteen. Does anyone else find Jim Boylan to be bizarre? Do you know who Jim Boylan is? He's the uh, head coach of the Chicago Bulls. He's no Phil Jackson. He's no, I'm going for a coca, Tom Thibodeau. But what he is, is a very goofy guy who looks like he could either be Dan Aykroyd or Jane Curtin. Google it. Movie also. Conehead. But I'm okay with all that. What I'm not okay with his post-game comments after a 24-point loss to the Portland Trailblazers. I'm not going to give credit to Carmelo Anthony. I'm not going to say that he's the reason the Blazers won. Because the Chicago Bulls would have lost that game to my JCC team. That's how bad it's been in Chicago. They've got a moment of greatness. They've got a few players. But Jim Bolin meets the media, as he has to do after every single game. And he said, you know what? This is the actual quote. I want to make sure I get it right for everyone who's paying attention. And even if you're not, he actually said, you know, I thought we tried. Hold on. Let me tell you what happens when, when let me tell you how it works for me. I would watch every single manager's postgame prof, uh, conference. I would get word of every manager's pregame media um, scrum. Because I always wanted to know what our manager was saying. I wanted to make sure our manager was on message. I wanted to make sure we were on the same page. I wanted to make sure when we were trading a player, releasing a player, signing a player, that he wasn't doing anything I didn't want him to do. No, it's not censorship. It's called communication up and down in a corporation. So if I'm the owner of the Chicago Bulls, who happens to be the same owner of the Chicago White Sox, Jerry Reinsdorf, who happens to have multiple rings, Six Bulls rings, one White Sox ring. That's seven rings, only three fingers left, and then he's going for the toes. Although he may have gotten one. Yeah, that's it. Seven. He's looking and seeing his coach say, you know what? I thought we tried. The first thing he's doing is picking up the phone to his GM. And he's saying, did you see what that co- what our coach just said? That he's okay and he's happy that we tried? But then the GM has to call the coach in and have a conversation about it and tell the coach, you cannot say that publicly. You can never let our fans know that it's okay to be mediocre or to lose. Remember what happened with the Carolina Panthers and their owner, David Tepper? You heard that on a show recently on Nothing Personal. By the way, thank you so much. Today's episode 30. Thank you for rating, subscribing. Give me five stars if you like it. You can follow me at David P. Sampson on Twitter. It's amazing it's been 30 episodes. David Pepper of the Carolina Panthers talked about not accepting mediocrity. His coach, Ron Rivera, said, I won't accept it either. Yet Jim Bolin was pleased that they tried. That's like a manager of your baseball team losing a game 7-1. to You know what? I really thought we had some great defensive moments. And we had a few balls that came really close to being hits. Managers do that all the time. It makes me insane. A ball that's close to being a hit that turns into a double play. And I'm going to say, isn't that amazing? Two more inches and we could have won that game. Well, as I used to hear from my grandmother, 
If my grandfather had wheels, he'd be a bus. I guess that meant that he didn't have wheels and he wasn't a bus. Which means when your team loses, it doesn't matter that you tried. This isn't about trying. This isn't the everyone gets a trophy league. This isn't Little League where we give trophies just for people showing up. This is professional sports, folks. Trying is not enough. Succeeding is all that matters. Winning is not nothing or something or part of the thing. It's the only thing. It's everything. Period. Hard stop. The GM's getting crushed in Chicago as well. So Jerry Reinsdorf can't even speak to the GM about this. He may decide he has to fire them both. He doesn't like firing people. We know that. But he may have to do it. Because that coach, Jim Boylan, outrageous that you would even think to say nothing of say that you're satisfied after a 24-point shellacking by the Portland Trailblazers. (laughs) But we tried. God, do I love making picks of the day. We're doing great. You know, the Ravens pick last night. I hope you went to bed early. It was the easiest pick of my entire 30 episodes uh, because it was a slam dunk. It was a blowout. Anytime you have Lamar Jackson on your team, you are absolutely going to win. And that's what happened. So we're going to go for another win, except we're going back to the NBA. And we're going to tell a little story here that is fascinating to me, at least. Wait to see if it's fascinating to you. The Dallas Mavericks today are playing the Los Angeles Clippers. For whatever reason, the Mavericks are getting points. And to me, it's all about Luca, Luca, Luca. God, please DM me and tell me you know what I'm talking about. Can someone just say Marsha to me, please? I know Randy can in our office. He knows who Marsha is. But it's all about Luca today. And I'm taking the Mavs over the Clippers. And what I found very interesting is the news that came out yesterday about Vladi Divac. He runs the Sacramento Kings. It came out that he didn't want to draft Luka, that he ended up drafting Begley from the Duke Blue Devils. Bagley from the Duke Blue Devils in the number two hole. Drafted him and passed on Luka. Now, it wasn't very controversial at the time. There were people who thought that was the proper number two pick. Obviously, Luca is going to end up being the best player in the draft, in my opinion, in that draft. 20 years old, probably an MVP candidate, if not the MVP. But it turns out that it came out that Vladdy did not want to draft Luca because of Luca's dad and any issues that between Luca, his dad, and Vladdy. Vladdy's denying this, of course, but I'm going to tell you why I think it could be true. Because we once had a player. We had a big problem with the dad. And when you've got a player and a dad problem, you've got a player who's not going to be good. Here's the dad problem we had. We traded for a guy named Gabby Hernandez. Gabby, if you're listening to this, you may remember that we traded for you. You were drafted by the Mets in 2004, and you were traded to the Marlins for a catcher named Paul LaDuca. And you were a very highly touted prospect. And we were quite excited. We were rebuilding Couldn't afford LaDuca. We hadn't won anything with him, even though we tried. Great guy, by the way. But we ended up trading him, and we got back this prospect who we believed could be the foundation of our rotation for years to come. We didn't realize we had traded LaDuca for Gabby Hernandez and his father. And here's the package that we got. 
We got an overbearing helicopter dad who absolutely ruined the career of his son. This is going to be controversial to the dads out there. This will make Gabby angry. But here's how it would work. We'd be watching Gabby pitch. Gabby would come set. He'd go to the mound, go to the plate, throw the pitch, and immediately look in the stands for his approving glance of his father. Every pitch his father was cataloging, every pitch Gabby was checking with his father, looking for the approval that a seven-year-old looks for in Little League. We saw this happening, and we talked to Gabby about it and said, listen, you've got to get your father out of your head here, and you've got to listen to the pitching coaches, like the ones in uniform, not the ones who are related to you, the ones who do it for a living. Yeah, you've got to pay attention to the way we're telling you to become a big league pitcher because we know what we're doing. Gabby was never able to do that. And this is not an anti-family. Don't ratio me over this. You can criticize it, comment on it. I'm not saying it's bad to be a father. I'm not saying that that makes Gabby's father a bad father. I am saying it makes him a bad baseball father. And it hurt Gabby's chances to have a major league career. Was it dispositive? No. Maybe Gabby wouldn't have made it anyway. But it was definitely a factor. And I saw it time and time again with players who so badly. This is not about, we had another player, Tom Kohler, who's been hurt. He is a, uh, he was a pitcher. He won at every level. He was good with the Marlins. And then he was let go when he got too expensive. And he's been hurt for a couple years trying to come back. His father was a, uh, is a first responder, just a great, great man. And uh, the relationship between Tom Cole and his dad was always healthy. His dad was at every game, watched him pitch every time he pitched, but never once got in the way. And Tom wanted to pitch well for his father. He was aware that his father was in the stands. But for whatever reason, his father didn't helicopter over him. And that's the problem that happened with Gabby. What we don't know is whether Luca's dad does that. Do you think Vladdy Divac's had a problem with his dad that's political? Is it a problem that's personal just between Vladdy and his dad? Because if that's the case and that's why you didn't draft him, no wonder your team stinks every year. But if it's because Luca and his father have some sort of weird coaching relationship and you thought that would actually impact his ability to be good, I'm giving you a pass, Vladdy, because I've seen it and it happens. Let's find out, if we can, why Vladdy did pass on Luca, Luca, Luca. I love my wait to see. You know what wait to see is, right? It's when everyone, when people say stuff all the time. I work in a studio with a lot of people who are really great people, except everyone has an opinion. Sometimes they have 10 opinions, and they have reckless indifference toward whether they're right or wrong, and never follow up once they're wrong. And I like bringing accountability to this. So we do a wait to see segment every day and we keep track. We have a whole spreadsheet and we'll let you know. Well, Jerry Jones recently has doubled down on his statements about Jason Garrett and the coaching staff. He went on radio today and he acknowledged again how disappointed and angry he is over the loss. And he acknowledged again that the coaching was subpar. The coaching of the Cowboys was subpar in their 13-9 loss to the New England Patriots. Nowhere did he say that the New England Patriots were the better team. Nowhere did he say that the job as GM in finding players he has not done as well as he should be doing. 
He actually said, I'm the general manager, I'm the owner, and I'll decide who the coaches are. Only me. It's not the head coach who gets to choose his assistants. Sorry, Greg, Shiano, and Rutgers. It's not the head coach who gets to decide how much the assistant coaches get paid. It's me, the owner, the general manager. I'll decide when changes are made. Boy, they're lining up to be head coach for you, aren't they, Jerry? Maybe that's why Garrett's been there nine years, because you'd have to overpay by so much and give so many private planes and other perks in order to get someone to actually be your puppet that it's hard for you to get a coach who has a chance to actually help your team win, which, as you may know, Jerry, you haven't done in decades. So my way to see is this, Jerry. You're going to make another coaching change. Yes, you are. You're going to get rid of Garrett and the assistant coaches right before 2020. You acknowledge that you're going to let them finish the season and you're going to stick to your word because you want to be right. So that's not the way to see. The way to see is that you are going to make a change even if your team wins the division. It's a mediocre NFC East. We know that. How happy are you to have the Giants and the Eagles play in your midst? But you're going to make the playoffs and short of a Super Bowl appearance where you will be forced to keep your coach and your assistant coaches, there is zero chance of them staying. What disappoints me, Jerry, is that I'm going to lose a way to see if I had made it that you're going to get rid of them during the season. But I'm too smart. I don't want to lose my weight to see. You're going to get rid of them after the season. And believe you me, it's going to happen. Glad we had a chance to cover quite a few conversations. But remember, when you're going through and listening, when you're going through and listening to nothing personal and you're thinking about the topics and the conversations, always keep in the front of your mind that this is business. It's nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.